please, to Genesis chapter number 12 this morning. Genesis chapter 12. Good seeing you this morning. And, uh, welcome back to our church. After our time, two weeks in a row, we were at 10 o'clock together. And I like being together, but obviously it's too, too filled up and not enough room in the parking lot. And it would really hinder us uh, from growing when to combine our services uh, here in this auditorium. And so we'll just get back to normal now, 9.30, 10.50, and 6 o'clock tonight. And 1 o'clock, we have a 1 o'clock service on Wednesdays, and that is for folks that aren't able to get out in the evenings, um, and then maybe those that work uh, evening shift and not able to attend church in the evening. And so we have a 1 o'clock service that meets in Building uh, A every, every Wednesday at 1, and then our 7 o'clock midweek service and if you've not been a part of that, we do a Bible study. We started in Exodus, the book of Exodus, in the beginning of the summer. And uh, we're just halfway through it now. We just take a portion of it each Wednesday. Awana for the kids, nurseries, and then Awana, and then youth group, 7th through 12th grade. So there's something for every single person here on Wednesday evenings. I want to um, uh, bring your attention to Genesis chapter 12. And today is a special day for our church. It's special because it's a day that we come together and we observe the Lord's table. Paul told us in 1 Corinthians to do this remembrance of Christ and what he did upon the cross. Today's message will be for members or of our church and, and those that are saved, those that regularly attend. It's a message to, to those that are saved. Many a times on a Sunday morning it might be an evangelistic message and the gospel will be given here today during the message, um, but uh, I want to speak to the saved here today as we come to this table. This table is not for the lost. The table is for those that know Jesus Christ as their Savior, and there are requirements when we come to this table. One is that you are saved, a child of God, and right with the Lord, and I want to be sure that we're ready as we come to this table here this morning, and so this message is going to be centered around the Lord's table this morning. We do this by going to Genesis chapter 12. We find the call of Abram in verse number 1. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from my, thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curseth thee and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him. Lot went with him. And Abram went 75 years old was he when he departed out of Haran. And Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their substance that they had gathered and the souls that they had gotten in Haran. And they went forth to go into the land of Canaan. And into the land of Canaan they came. And Abram passed through the land unto the place of Sichem into the plain of Morah. And the Canaanite was then in the land. And the Lord appeared unto Abram and said, Unto thy seed will I give this land. And there builded he an altar unto the Lord and appeared unto him. And I want you to, if you take notes, I want you to circle that. He built an altar unto the Lord who appeared unto him. In verse number 8, we continue, And he removed from thence, unto a mountain on the east of Bethel, and pitched his tent, having Bethel on the west and Hai on the east, and there he built an altar. I want you to mark that again. He built an altar unto the Lord. 
and called upon the name of the Lord. In verse number nine, and Abram sojourned going on still toward the south. We're introduced to this man by the name of Abram. This is Abraham. His name later is changed to Abraham and his wife Sarai. Her name is changed to Sarah. And so this is the man Abraham that God has called. And we're introduced to him here in chapter number 11 and chapter number 12. We find that God is beginning what we know of as the nation of Israel. And God has called Abram to out of his father's house and said to Abram, I want you to go to a land that I'll show thee of and I'll tell thee of. And, and, and there's some things that I'm going to do for you specifically. He said this in verse number two and three. He said, I'm going to give you some blessings. And back in Genesis, God promised a deliverer. He promised a savior. If I could have you go back in your mind to Genesis chapter 3, man has sinned. God created man to worship him. God created man to, to commune with him and to fellowship with him. And when man was created in the garden, God would come through and fellowship with man. God created man in his own image. God breathed into the nostrils of man, living of, of the breath of life, and man became a living soul, the Bible says. And God's purpose for you and for me was to worship him and fellowship with him. Now we know that back in Genesis, because sin entered the world, the Bible says, but by one man sin entered the world, and therefore every single person born into this world is now born with a sin nature. You're born as a sinner and I'm born as a sinner. We're all born dead in trespasses and sin, the Bible says. We need a Savior. And from the beginning of the fall of mankind, God sought out to deliver us from our sin or provide for us a Savior, a Deliverer. He illustrated this by taking a lamb back in the garden when man sinned. The Bible says that Adam and Eve saw their nakedness and, and they took fig leaves and they sewed fig leaves together and, and uh, uh, to cover themselves. And when God saw that, he, he, he took a, a lamb and he sacrificed the lamb and he took the skin of that lamb and he made clothes for them. And that was a, a blood sacrifice that was made. And God illustrated that there had to be a sacrifice. And from that point on, a blood sacrifice was required by God because of man's sin. So all through the Old Testament, you'll find where sacrifices were made. This is why God was displeased with Cain's sacrifice. Cain and Abel, the, the two sons of Adam and Eve, God required a sacrifice and Cain brought fruits of the field and he brought things from the earth and he, and he sacrificed those, those vegetables, those fruits, those things from the earth. And God wasn't pleased with his sacrifice, but Abel brought a sacrifice. He brought a, a blood sacrifice and that was placed upon the altar and God was pleased with that sacrifice. The reason why God was pleased with the sacrifice from Abel is because Abel's was a blood sacrifice. And that sacrifice, the Bible says, without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. Blood had to be shed in order for sins to be forgiven. And since Genesis chapter 3, we find God working on man's behalf to supply a redeemer. There's a thread that goes through the entire Bible, and that thread is Jesus Christ, the Redeemer. If you and I die in our sins, we die eternally separated from God. Eternally separated from God. 
God, the Bible says, is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And so for us to have life or eternal life, or for us to have eternity with God, we must go through the way that God has planned, and that plan is Jesus Christ. We find God working. And he's doing it here in Genesis chapter number 12. I want you to stay with me this morning and hear this, please, this morning. I promise we'll bring it together here. He's doing this plan. He's revealing his plan of sending a Savior, a Messiah, here in Genesis 12. He calls Abram and sets a covenant with him. What Abraham doesn't know yet is what God is going to use him to fulfill this promise of Genesis chapter 3 of a, of a Messiah, a Savior. Abraham doesn't realize that yet. At this point in Abraham's life, he's just simply being obedient to God. God says, Abraham, I want you to leave where you're at, and I'm going to give you a land that you've not yet seen. And then he says, I'm going to make of thee a great nation. And uh, verse 2 and verse 3 begins to give Abraham these promises. And it's through this seed of Abraham that the Redeemer is going to come. And God, he makes a promise to Abraham. And I want you to see with me, these promises this morning that he makes with Abram. He says in verse number two, Abraham, I, I want to make a covenant with you. He says, first of all, I want to make you a, a great nation. And from you, in order to be a great nation, at this time in Abraham's life, Abraham has not had children. In order for Abraham to become a great nation, Abraham must have a son who through those who his seed, a, a great nation would come. But at this point, Abraham doesn't have a son. So what Abraham can know from this promise is a son's coming. The second promise we see here in this covenant is this, I will bless thee. Wouldn't it be a wonderful thing if you... We're told by God specifically, I am going to bless you. That's the promise Abraham was given. He said, Abraham, I'm going to make you a great nation, and I'm going to bless you. The third promise he says to Abraham is this, I'm going to make your name great. Your name is going to be heard. Your name isn't, you're not going to just live and die and, 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 and be buried, but your name is going to become a great name and generations after you are going to know your name. Your nation, your name is going to become a great nation and I'm going to bless your name. In verse number three, he gives us more promises. He says to Abraham, I'm going to bless them that bless thee. This is one reason why, church, that we bless and we support the nation of Israel is because God said this to Abraham, the, the founder of this great nation of Israel. He said, I'm going to bless them that bless thee. I believe this, that God will bless the nation that blesses Israel. And it is for us as a nation, this nation, to bless the nation of Israel because there will be a curse, the Bible says, that I will curse them that curse thee. So if a nation curses the nation of Israel, God's cursing and God's lack of blessing is going to be upon that nation. And then, then he says this in verse number three. In these shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Now that there is the promise of the Messiah. What he said this is, through you, all the families 
of this earth are going to be blessed. Through you, Jesus Christ was not just the Messiah for the Jews, but Jesus came to seek and save that which was lost. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And through the seed of Abraham, all the nations, all the families of the earth are going to be blessed. It's through his seed, what comes through his seed, the Messiah, the Redeemer, all the nations right now, all the families, all the human beings that were born dead in trespasses and sin, all those that are no longer because of sin able to experience God and his presence in his salvation they are going to have a blessing upon them a Messiah is going to come and through your seed every single person could be reconciled back to God Abraham what a blessing that is and so he speaks to Abraham and gives Abraham these these blessings the Bible says this in verse number 7 and verse number 8 that once these blessings were given, that Abraham makes a altar. Sacrifice is made. And the Bible says this, I want you to look with me in verse number seven. And the Lord appeared unto Abram. And in verse number eight, the Bible says this, and Abram called upon the name of the Lord. What a wonderful, wonderful worship took place. An altar is built. And Abraham acknowledges that God is working in his life. Now listen to me. I want, this is the application I want you, to, you and I to see here today. Just like Abraham, there's a time in a life, now that we're a child of God, now that we're saved, God desires to speak with us and God desires for, for us to fellowship with him. And decisions are made. Has the Holy Spirit of God ever spoke to you before? Last week we had a service and many people came to the altar and what they were doing coming to this place that we call an altar here and we don't sacrifice animals, we don't sacrifice, make blood sacrifices here. We, don't, we no longer have to make a blood sacrifice because Jesus Christ made the sacrifice and he was the pure lamb, he was a holy lamb. No sacrifice, no blood is needing to be shed now since Jesus Christ shed his blood. But we come to this place in our life where we acknowledge God working in our life. Have you ever been there? You've acknowledged God working. You've experienced him working in your life and you've submitted to his leading in your life. It's a time in your life where you experience the presence of God. You experience the Lord speaking to you and through his word and maybe through times of, of preaching or through times of your own personal devotions, time there in your quiet time where the presence of God is felt and he, and he speaks to you. Now, it's not through this audible voice, but as you're reading his word, the Holy Spirit of God that dwells inside of you, he convicts you and he comforts you and he leads you and he directs you. We see this happening in Abraham's life and believer, those that are saved should experience that happening in their life as well. We find this event happening. We find Abraham through this sacrifice is worshiping the Lord. And we do that as we come together today and we lift our voices up through singing and we lift our, uh, our voices up in prayer and through fellowship and through giving and, and through all the aspects of worshiping God. We come to a place where we worship God and experience God working in our life. Don't you enjoy God working in your life? 
Don't you enjoy God answering prayer? Don't you enjoy feeling the presence of God and, 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 and understanding that he has a plan for your life? Abraham's there and he experiences these things. Here at this altar, Abraham is, yields his direction and his plan to God. I tell you, church, there's nothing more fulfilling for a Christian than to yield to God's plan for your life. Our flesh and our desire sometimes is to, to go against what God desires for us because sometimes it's the joy's not there or the happiness isn't there that we think the world can bring. But the reality is this, there's nothing like a child of God yielding to the direction and the plan of God for their life. And God says to Abraham here, Abraham, I'm, I'm going to lead you to a different place. You're going to leave your family. You're going to leave everything you've known. And I'm going to bless you and I'm going to multiply you. And through you, I'm going to create this great and mighty nation. And all the nations of the earth are going to be blessed through you and through your seed. I noticed in this time when there's the appearance of God and the presence of God, there's the joy that God brings. And I believe this, all of us that are saved, we've experienced that. There's times in our life where we acknowledge God working. There's times in our life where we worship him. There's times in our life where we yield to his direction. There's times in life where it's just joy in his presence. And we don't make sacrifices any longer. As I said earlier, the sacrifice has already been made. Jesus Christ was that sacrifice. He went to the cross. He shed his blood. But we enjoy what Abraham enjoyed, the presence of God. There's times in our life where it seems like we're close to God. There's times in our life where it seems like God is speaking to us and we hear his voice and we're enjoying living in his perfect will. But just like us and just like Abraham, we're sinners. Now I wish, I wish the moment that we got saved, that we got our, our new body and, and we were perfect and we never sinned and the old man didn't bother us anymore and our flesh didn't bother us anymore and we weren't tempted any longer and sin didn't entertain us any longer and, and Satan wouldn't attack us any longer. But the reality is this, that none of that's true. When you get saved, you become a child of God, but your flesh still wants what your flesh wants. That old man inside of you still tries to fight for power. Satan now attacks you even greater. And, and, and we still have uh, our, our temptations that come. And even though we're saved, we still have this sinful nature. Until God calls us home, we still wrestle. We still battle. Abraham comes to a place, and I don't have time to read all of this passage of Scripture. But in verse number 10, the Bible says this. There's a great famine that takes place. And Abraham looks at this famine and he says this to himself, if I don't do something, we're going to die. Now, first of all, Abraham, you're not going to die because you just, God just made you a promise. And he says to his wife, Sarai, we're going to go down into Egypt because there's food in Egypt. And when we get there, the Bible tells us this, that Sarah, 75 years old, was still a beautiful, beautiful woman. 
So much so that Abraham feared that if he went down into Egypt with, with Sarah, that, that the Pharaoh and the men in Egypt would see her and want her. And if they know that she's married to Abraham, they'll kill Abraham and take Sarah to be their wife. And so Abraham said to Sarah, Sarah, we're going to put a plan together. We're going to go down to Egypt so that we can survive. And, and, and what I want you to do is, is if they ask you who I am, I want you to tell them, and I'm going to tell them that I'm your brother and you're my sister. Now think about how selfish, first of all, that is. So that they're still going to take you to be their wife, but at least I don't lose my life. Pretty selfish. Nothing like standing in front of fighting for your woman, right? Abraham here, he says, this is the plan that I want to do. And so they go down into Egypt, and sure enough, they see Sarah. And Pharaoh takes Sarah and says, who are you? And she says, I'm the sister of Abraham. And so Abraham doesn't lose his life, and he takes Sarah in. But when he takes Sarah in, the Bible says this, that plagues and, and, and God curses and brings judgment upon Pharaoh for doing this. And Pharaoh brings Abraham back in and says, Abraham, what are you doing? Why didn't you tell me this was your wife? You've caused me to, to have great uh, harm to my name and my people and my family because you lied and I believed you. I want you to think about Abraham now. We're not even out of the same chapter. Abraham enjoys the presence of God. Abraham is enjoying the blessings of God. Abraham is enjoying calling upon the name of God. And the first opportunity that Abram has to sin, he takes advantage of it. Abraham lies. Abraham begins to live a life where he doesn't trust God's blessings. Abraham begins to live a life where he lacks faith in God. Now remember, in the same chapter, just, just a few, few moments ago, we read that God said, Abram, I want you to come here, and I'm going to make of you a great nation, and I'm gonna, the whole world is going to be blessed by you, and, 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 and I'm going I'm to make your name great. And, and then just a little while later, Abraham gets into a place where he's confused. He gets into a place where he's a little scared. He gets into a place where he thinks that he has to take control back of his life and he forgets or neglects the blessings of God. Now we look at Abraham and we say, how could Abraham do such a thing? I want to remind you, Christian, so do we. As much as we'd love to stay in our prayer closet and hear from God, as much as we'd like to have revival continuing in our life, the problem is this, many a times we forsake that and we get ourselves off into a place where we start making decisions by ourselves. We start getting involved in sin. The Bible says that God desires for us to live a life of faith and we live a life where we try to take it easy and we try not to take too many risks. And as we study Abraham's life, the reality is this, many of us can identify with where Abram's at. Oh, we're saved. 
We've enjoyed the presence of God. We've enjoyed the time with God. But so often we find ourselves living in the world. So often we find ourselves doing the opposite of what, 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 what Solomon said, that we ought to acknowledge God and acknowledge His way and not depend upon our own understanding. Instead, we find ourselves trying to figure our life out when God has a plan for our life and God has a will for your life and God has direction for your life and His desire is for you to submit to that. So often, our flesh, our fears, he just got through learning or hearing the voice of God. And now Abram finds himself in sin. He just got, got finished hearing and being a part of the presence of God. And now Abram finds himself in sin. He just got finished hearing the protection from God. And now Abram is sinning against God. And the reality, believer, is this. So do we. So do we. We get to the place in our life where if we're not careful, we can be in this place of sin and guilt keeps us there. Being ashamed keeps us there. We feel dirty and unwanted and we stay in this place of sin. We've experienced the presence of God. We've enjoyed the word of God. But we keep finding ourselves here in Egypt living away from God. But God doesn't want us to stay there. God doesn't desire for us to be saved and then get caught in sin and through guilt and because we're ashamed and because we feel guilty and dirty, we stay in this place. God desires to fellowship with us. God desires to bless us. God desires to speak with us and for us to speak to him and to, to commune with him. And we can't do this in a sinful state. You'll find this in the beginning of this chapter. God and Abraham are in conversation, but you never find in verse number 10 through the end of the chapter where Abraham is depending upon God any longer or hearing the presence of God any longer. You're hearing the voice of God any longer. Abraham has decided I'm going to Egypt and I'm going to make the plans I want to make and I'm going to make the decisions I want to make, and it doesn't really matter what God has promised or what God has said. I'm scared and I'm nervous, and I think this is the best thing for my life. When a person gets to the place where they think that their decisions are the best decisions from their life, what they're saying is, God, I'm not in need of you any longer. And Abraham finds himself in sin. I want you to know this and look around and I want you to understand this. There's no perfect people here in this church. Every single person here in this church that's a child of God, you still battle sin. Church is not a museum of perfect people. Church is a hospital where people come to get help. And sometimes you might be the one that sits back and thinks, I'm the worst person. Everyone else in here seems like they've got everything together. Everything, everyone else seems like they've got everything perfect. Everybody else has got this perfect life. The, the reality is this, you just don't know them well enough. 
None of us have it together. We all battle sin. We all battle temptation. But that's not where God wants us to dwell. That's not where God wants us to stay. I want you to see and I want you to follow along with me, if you would please, in chapter number 13, in verse number 1, Pharaoh finds out what's going on and sends uh, uh, Abram back out of Egypt. And we find in verse number 1 of chapter 13, and Abram went up out of Egypt, he and his wife, and all that he had, and lot with him into the south. And Abram was very rich in cattle and silver and gold, and he went on his journey from the south even to Bethel, unto the place where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and Hai. And so what we find is this, follow along, he goes back to the place where he was at the beginning. He goes back to the place of an altar, the Bible says, under the place of the altar in verse number four, which he had made there at the first. And there Abram called on the name of the Lord. Listen to me, this is good. Abraham, he sets an altar, he makes his sacrifice here back in Bethel and he, and he praises God and he fellowships with God and he experiences the presence of God. And then Abraham gets into a place where he starts thinking, I gotta make my own decisions. He starts to lie, he starts to mistrust God. He starts to walk not by faith, but by his own understanding. And he gets away from the presence of God. And then God brings Abraham back to this place of Bethel. And when Abraham gets back to this place, He goes back to the place where the altar was, and there, the Bible says, he called on the name of the Lord. Abraham gets back to the place, the original place, where the sacrifice was made. He calls, in verse number four, he calls on the name of the Lord. Abraham got back to this place where he remembered, I got away from the Lord for a period of time, but I'm back at this place where it's caused me to remember his promise. I'm back at the place where it's caused me to remember his plan. I'm back at the place where it causes me to worship him once again. I'm back at the place where a sacrifice was made, where my sins were confessed. I'm back at a place where I can confess to the Lord that I lacked faith, but I'm back at the place now where I can call on the name of the Lord once again. You say, what does that have to do with the Lord's table? We as Christians, we get saved. We're living in bondage to sin. We're living in, 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 in control of, of sin. And sin has a, a hold on our life. And Jesus Christ comes by and he, and he saves us that day. And he breaks that bondage of sin. And he gives me eternal life. And I'm free from sin. I'm free. Uh, I'm a child of God. I'm forever saved. I'm, 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 I've got everlasting life. I'm born again. I'm free. And oh, what a day that was there at the cross where Jesus saved me, where his blood was shed. And when God sees me, he doesn't see me in my sin any longer. He sees the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And he looks at me and he says, what sin? He doesn't see my sin. He sees Jesus Christ. Oh, what a wonderful day that was. Remember the day you got saved? Remember the day that you were, 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 were under bondage to sin and Jesus Christ set you free? Remember that wonderful day? 
Remember praising him and thanking him and remember worshiping him. Remember maybe since that time, whether it be at an altar or be in the, the privacy of your, your, your bedroom or, or, or a, a prayer closet where you've experienced the blessings of God and you've experienced the, the wonder of God and you've experienced the presence of God. What a wonderful thing that has been. And then you sin. The greatest thing about this table is it brings us back to remembering what happened at the cross. It brings us back to remembering the sacrifice that was made. It brings us back to remembering the blood that was shed, that perfect blood. I was lost in trespasses and sin. If I would have died before I knew Jesus Christ, I would have spent eternity separated from God in a devil's hell. But because of the cross, because of the blood, I'm saved and I'm free. And I come back to this place, come back to this altar, and I have the presence of God again. I come back to the, the body, the the body that was broken, the bread reminds me of the body that was beaten, the body that was bruised, the torture that he went through, the agony that he went through so that I could be redeemed back to God. What a wonderful day that is. God, Jesus told through inspiration of the Holy Spirit to Paul as he writes in 1 Corinthians that we're supposed to come back to this table, come back to this altar and remember what Jesus Christ has done. Remember the blood that was shed. Remember the sacrifice. Enjoy the presence of the Lord again. Here Abraham, through his sacrifice, he comes to this place. He remembers the original sacrifice. He remembers the promises of God. He confesses his sin. And that's what this table does for us. A sacrifice doesn't need to be made again. Jesus Christ came, he shed his blood. No sacrifice needs to be made again. What we need to do as New Testament Christians is get back to remembering the sacrifice that's already been made. Remembering needs to be done. Look with me if you wouldn't, 1 Corinthians, if you turn there with me, please. 1 Corinthians in the New Testament, chapter number 11. 1 Corinthians chapter number 11. Jesus Christ has already made the sacrifice. He's already been on the cross. He's already shed his blood. He's already been in the tomb. He's already been resurrected. Now he sits at the right hand of the Father making intercession for us. But Paul says to the New Testament church that I want you to do this in verse number 28. But let a man examine himself. What is he saying? Go back to that first altar. And how's your life? Are you enjoying the presence of God, the communion of God, the blessings of God? Or are you living in this world of sin? Are you enjoying the pleasures of sin? Are you living in Egypt? Are you enjoying the pleasures of Egypt? Are you making decisions that you want for yourself? Or are you right with God? He says, come to the place, Christian, and examine your heart. How's your living? I love this part of a church because this is a time where all of the church can come together and leave right with God. You know what he's saying? The same thing happened to Abraham. He says, I want you to go back and I want you to remember that first sacrifice. I want you to remember 
the promise that came through that sacrifice. Oh, how in the world, how in the world could I enjoy living in Egypt and sinning? How in the world could I enjoy the pleasures of this world when I go back and I remember what Jesus Christ went through for me? How could I choose sin? When I'm told to come back and remember what Jesus went through. He's saying, every husband and every wife, go back to that altar. Restore and refresh your marriage today. Husband, if there's sin in your life, today's the day for you to examine yourself. Get yourself out of Egypt. Go back to that first altar. Go back to the cross and remember what Jesus Christ did for you upon the cross. No, you don't have to get saved again. No, Jesus doesn't have to die again. We just simply need to go back and remember what he did and it causes us to turn from our sin. He said this, let a man examine himself and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. Oh, this is a day for every single person here that's a child of God to look at your life if there's sin in your life. It doesn't say, let a man examine himself, and if there's sin that you don't want to confess, then let the cup pass. He doesn't say, if there's sin that you don't want to confess, then let the bread pass. No, what he says is this, let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. You know what Paul is saying there? Get right with God. If there's sin in your life, today is a day. Get right with God. God, so that when you're presented with this juice and when you're presented with this bread, you eat of it and you remember what Jesus Christ has done for you. It's a time for God's people to examine themselves and say, if there's any sin, if there's anything between me and God, if there's anything that's keeping God from communing with me or me from communing with God, this is the time for me to look back and remember what he did upon the cross, remember the blessings of God, remember the promises of God, and for me once again to hear the voice of God. He came back to that place, to that altar, the Bible says he heard from the Lord again. While he was there living in sin, living in Egypt, living in lying and living in cheating and living in lack of faith, nowhere does it mention he heard the voice of God. Nowhere did it mention he experienced the presence of God. Nowhere did it mention that he enjoyed a relationship with God. It brought him shame. It brought him sorrow. It brought him hurt. And that's what we must understand, Christian. Sin is always going to bring us shame. Sin is always going to bring us sorrow. Sin is always going to bring us hurt. But that's not where God desires us to dwell, and we don't have to stay there. We can get back to our first love. We can get back to Bethel. We can get back to experiencing God again. We can get back to hearing his voice. We can get back to experiencing his presence. We can get back to opening the word of God and hearing from God. I can get back to getting direction. I don't have to live life confused and in fear. I can get back to living a life of faith. It was good enough for Abraham. It's good enough for us as well.
words. What does this table do? It brings the wayward Christian home. brings the Christian away from God back to his first love. It brings the Christian that's so busy with life back to the cross. And now I get to view everything with the cross in view. My marriage gets better. My relationship with my children change. My relationship with you changes because I'm putting the cross back where it belongs.